Welcome to the Big Tent on Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM Caldwell, Boise. And this is our uh, first show of 2019. Very, very exciting. Um, I'm your host today, Luke Fowler, here with my co-hosts and fellow colleagues at the School of Public Service at Boise State University, Jackie Kettler and Jen Schneider, who's over there running the board, so she'll pipe in here and there. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll start uh, this episode uh, with the first big political catastrophe story of the year, the government <laughs> shutdown, which is now in day 13, which makes it the fourth longest shutdown in history and the first one to ever stretch across two congresses so yeah starting 2019 off on a good note um, uh, i mean we didn't promise you that it was going to be calm no but you just imagine like uh, the congress <laughs> is going to end everybody's going to go home they're going to relax and they're going to come back and give it a couple days before they start a new fires right i mean uh but no that's not what happened we've continued the old fires into the new year which is lots of exciting for everybody um so lots of takes on this lots of things to talk about but uh so i'm gonna throw it out to uh to jackie and jen like what 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 do you think that some of the big takeaways or some of the big observations to make about the shutdown are well as luke mentioned it's 13 days we're currently on the 13th day um the longest shutdown was 21 days which was 1995 and so i mean we're not that much off of going towards you know a pretty long one compare comparatively um and so so, you know, this is concerning in terms of policy and, and access to government's resources. There doesn't really seem to be an end in sight either, right? I mean, uh, part of the uh, stalemate over the this particular shutdown is that President Trump wants his uh, border wall funded, I think, to the tune of $5 billion. And the new Congress is, is probably not going to do that. Um, and yet it doesn't seem clear whether either side is going to, to give in for the other side to to allow the shutdown to end. Well, I, I agree with that. Like, I don't think there's a lot of things about why the shutdown started and what's going on with it that aren't clear, namely uh, President Trump's positions on this. Because originally he was willing to deal, and then he decided he wasn't willing to deal, and then he added money because I think it was $2 billion, and then it became $5 billion. Um, so there's been a lot of, of back and forth on his end. But you know what? I don't, I don't understand. I mean, it is, this has got to be the first time in history that we've had a Republican president and a Republican Congress shut down the government. Because while the Democratic Congress starts now— this was a Republican Congress two weeks ago when the shutdown started. So as much well, as... Well, it's not the first time because we did have one in January 2018, right? Oh, or Jack... February 2018. Didn't we have a, like, it was like a half day early in 2018? Yeah. Jackie no, fact-checking right. me over there. I appreciate <laughs> sorry. it, Jackie. But no, no but I, I think, uh, sorry that I missed that. But <laughs> the, I, the most, more substantive, most substantive yeah. one. But, you know, and, and again, um, as the, as Trump is, and I, I, the point I was trying to drive to was, as Trump is trying to shift blame for the shutdown to the Democratic Congress, the Democrats in Congress, and namely Nancy Pelosi, like she was not Speaker of the House when this started. I mean, essentially, the Democrats in Congress are inheriting the Republican shutdown and are trying to make something out of it. So I find that to be very interesting political maneuvers um, because of where this all began. And so it's not really clear what's going on and why they couldn't close this deal originally. And it is interesting. President Trump seems to think he will not be blamed for it. And he is correct. In 1995, the Republicans in Congress got the blame. President Clinton did not. How However, I we're in a, like a different situation, and it, it's it's interesting to me that Trump seems so sure that the blame will not lie on him. Well, and it wasn't that. I think the Republicans in Congress got blamed. I think it was Newt Gingrich got well, blamed. Well, yeah. And I mean, I, I think that was really the beginning of the end of his tenure of, uh, of Speaker of the House because he, 
I mean, he did not come out of that situation looking good. He came out looking very petty, made some a lot of personal attacks. So I, I, I think this was not more about like Congress versus president. I think it was two personalities. And I don't think Trump tends to win these things of coming out of thing, uh, looking like the winner on a lot of stuff. I mean, well, maybe we, we should say there was a spending bill on the table that was going to fund a lot, a pretty big increase for um, immigration and border control. Um, and that was not good enough for him. I think one thing that he has been consistent on over time is wanting to deliver on some of his strongest campaign promises. I think he's very aware of how his base sees him, and the wall has been a talking point from rally one, really. And so um, it's it's not surprising to me that he is digging his heels in now. There's lots of churn in personnel and in advisors, you know, probably folks who are telling him this is not maybe not a good idea politically, but I'm not convinced that he's going to back off of it anytime soon. Well, and so I've read on the uh other end of that, I've heard read that some advisors are telling him that he has to dig in on the wall because if he doesn't deliver it, he's not going to be able to appeal to his base. Um, and I don't know if you've seen the economic forecast for next year. More likely than not, we're going to head into a recession. So you're talking about heading into election years, recessions, trade war. Um, who that trade war is most likely to affect are middle and blue collar work or middle class workers, blue collar workers, farmers, all in Trump territory. Um, so the question is like, what is he going to go out there in this campaign, which is starts now? I mean, the the campaign for the twenty twenty starts now. What's he going to go out there and campaign for? And if he doesn't deliver this wall, what's he going to talk about? Um, and so, I, I mean, I think this is, and so he tweeted today that this was about the 2020 election, but blamed it on the Democrats and they were making it. But I think he's making it about the 2020 election. I think that's where a lot of this stems from. Yeah, well, and Democrats are now coming into the majority in the House, and so it will be interesting. I mean, uh, Pelosi's been a part of these talks for a while. They knew, right, that Democrats were coming into power, and so Democrats have been involved with the talks um, for the last month or, or so. It will be interesting to see if any dynamics change or we continue to see kind of these stalled talks happening. I mean, is there any outcome where he does win, though? Because, I mean, by all sort of rational accounts, funding a wall is going to be an economic and probably civil engineering boondoggle. So they certainly could throw funding at something, at increased border security. But the the wall, as I think people are picturing it, it's not possible. Well, and it seems like some of his advisors have kind of stepped back from it being like a physical concrete wall. And so maybe that is the out. Like, okay, well, we're going to increase a lot of funding for security. And that's what we mean by the wall, right? Like we've got a wall of security, not necessarily a physical wall. So that is one possible way. But even then, I think a substantial amount of money would be needed to you know, be in order for that deal to work. But I think we've seen this trend uh, with this White House over the last two years um, where they don't really know what success looks like, right? And defining it. Um, and I think this all started, and I, I don't think anybody in that White House right now could tell you what a win situation for them is. Um, I don't think they know. Uh, and so I think that's very troubling, but it's also just bad strategy there. Um, and I think we've seen that over the last two years that they, they just can't identify what they really need to get to. I mean, it's surprising for me to hear you say that, Luke, because I think it's easy to, to make some counter arguments, even even in the face of sort of a very chaotic, undisciplined White House. There have been some major victories for them that they passed their tax plan and appointed us two Supreme Court justices. <laughs> some trouble along the way, but they were appointed um, and have pulled us out of sort of, you know, are going to pull us out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Some major victories on energy and environment, which we've talked about on this show before. 
Um, are you th- are you thinking about immigration specifically that there, I, there's not a clear win? No, and I, I won't say that this this White House has been completely devoid of of wins, right? But I think there's been a lot more losses than wins. I think there's been a lot of things where they've gotten involved in it and they've ended up somewhere that you could call a win, but it's not been by plan as much by coincidence or accident. Um, and I think you can look at the the Supreme Court nominations yeah. and go. All right, they didn't really plan that. That wasn't a strategy. That was a long-term thing. They just happened to not screw it up. I am interested, right, like talking about that he needs the wall to be successful in, in 2020. However, some of his supporters could be very harmed by a lengthy government shutdown. So at some point, you start to kind of, is this actually going to be a win? Or is are people going to feel this so hard, you know, the government shutdown so much that it doesn't end up being a benefit in the long run? Something that we're going to discuss in more depth when we come back um, at this point we're going to take a break and then when we discuss come back kind of discuss the personal effects um, of the government shutdown so please come back and join us hey there i'm brian sutton you're listening to radio boise krbx 89.9 fm welcome back to the big tent um we're having a lively discussion about the current government shutdown um and some of the the things that are going on there but you know we're going to switch gears a little bit here while we're talking about some of the national political implications and some of the big picture stuff i think one of the the important things to always remind ourselves when we're talking about a government shutdown is what's happening at the individual level what's happening on the ground and some of the practical effects that that this has on people that I mean, our government is huge, and it funds a lot of things, and it does a lot of stuff that affects our daily lives. And so, you know, one example of this is I read a story earlier this week about a couple who went to go get their marriage license, and in Washington, D.C., marriage licenses are handled by the district courts because it is the District of Columbia, which is a federal district, and they showed up, and the marriage license offices went shut down because of it. And so they couldn't get a marriage license, and now all their wedding guests and everything else, they're scrambling to try to figure out how they're going to make it legal for them to get married. And you're like, wow, what a, what a way. It's like a plot for a Hollywood <laughs> movie like did they dodge a bullet yeah right actually that would probably make a terrific holiday rom-com on uh hallmark channel involving the government shutdown yeah oh my god i'm just i'm so waiting for next year when that one pops up (laughs) but so there's a lot of individual level effects that go on here that aren't particularly good and so uh, what are some of the things that stuck out to y'all some of the stories that we've seen in the last week or so about how this is having some negative impacts on our society well we were laughing before the show the fcc has now currently ceased most of their operations and so as someone on you know, on the air, we were laughing about the FCC no longer, you know, not being active, watching out what we're doing. So that means we can say anything we want to, right? No. <laughs> Until Wayne comes in here and tackles me. I'm thinking of some words right now. <laughs> <laughs> but so we have some of these types of agencies, right, that we don't necessarily, maybe many of us don't think about in our day-to-day lives. Um, one thing is um, inspection of food in the FDA and things. And apparently they are still continuing operations, so we don't have to worry about our meat or vegetables at this point. Which is something that gives me some comfort, right? Like I'd like that to continue operating. I was also thinking about uh, the Smithsonian's museums shut down along with the National Zoo, although I was relieved to see that they are keeping essential personnel on staff to take care of the animals. Feed them. Well, you know, it's interesting. uh, The essential personnel is an interesting argument because um, basically if you're not funded but your label is essential essential personnel, you have to keep coming to work. And so now the uh, union that represents federal employees is suing the government over unpaid work um, because all these people are required to go to work and they're not getting paid for it. And so if you can imagine that, if your boss said, we're not going to pay you for a couple weeks but we still need you to come in and how that affects your life 
The other story that stuck with me this week was uh, Americans love a bargain. And so national parks uh, were sort of free and open to everybody for a while, but they also were not being maintained, including the porta potties. So there were some good stories about Joshua Tree, for example, where they had to finally shut it down today because the bathrooms were no longer fit for human use. Yes, uh, you can uh, infer what you'd like to about what that means, or you can just Google some of the uh, stories about it. But, I mean, it goes on with trash and sanitation, a lot of the the key things that were happening at at the parks. And as Jackie pointed out earlier, the IRS is now shutting down, too, Um, which does not mean that you don't have to pay your taxes, but it does mean (laughs) that they are not going to answer questions about how to. Which is actually really significant, right, because the 2017 tax bill is going into effect this year. And so I think, I know our family has questions. We have no idea what our tax burden is going to be this year. So I think that's going to have significant repercussions. And boy, if you want to really have folks turn on you politically, you can mess with their taxes and give them a bill rather than a return. I think that's going to have significant repercussions. Yeah, I think there's definitely these types of agencies that, you know, we definitely start thinking about like the parks and things pretty automatically, right? But there's other agencies that then you start going, oh, like this is you know how is this going to work how am I going to you know keep up with this one of the first things to go into become expired was the violence against women act which funds a lot of um, on kind of on the ground nonprofits helping out helping carry out the policy which there is still some funding through February I believe but after that point then a lot of these local important local agencies will or and nonprofits will lose their funding and same for a lot of the women and children's programs, food stamps, things like that. Well, and so uh, these are not just having uh, an effect, I guess, on people that are relying on these government programs, but as we also talked about, it's uh, some of the federal workers um, that are not getting paid right now. Um, they haven't been paid for two weeks, and so I, I read several sad stories. Uh, Over the holidays. Yeah, yeah uh, about parents that uh, had to return Christmas gifts, um, that had to, you know, do a lot of things that, that couldn't buy gifts for their parent, or their kids, basically because they didn't know when their next paycheck was uh showing up but i guess one of the more humorous solutions uh that we talked about earlier was uh the one federal agency that has put together a template letter for federal employees to give their landlord explaining why they can't pay their rent which seems like a kind of really haphazard way to approach this um but there was also some other funny stuff that i think uh jackie were I mean, humorous but also sort of tragic right like, i think that's a solution one suggestion to try to barter for rent or like why don't you work as a carpenter and maybe you can pay for your rent that way which i mean not everyone has those skills to just suddenly yeah. be able to, you know, start working in that fashion. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think um, what this points to for me, too, is that so many of us in the United States today, even those of us who think of ourselves as middle class, we're really just a couple of paychecks away from potentially losing home, having real big hits to our credit, not being able to afford food. And that we're talking about hundreds of thousands of federal workers here, right? And a lot of families, like, you know, both both um, parents would be working for the federal government, especially in the D.C. area, a lot of people. So it's not just like one pay, you know, one payer for the family, but potentially both. Um, and so, yeah, it can be. And this is it's a, in fact, affecting a lot of people, not to mention knock on effects. I mean, we were talking about the national parks being closed and that affects tourist industries mm-hmm. in the communities around those areas who were uh, depending on seeing a lot of tourists around the holiday season and that they've sort of been decimated. So I think 
these these things are going to sort of have ripple effects for some time. Well, yeah, and uh, Jen, back to your point, I mean, I, I don't know the statistics offhand, but I've definitely seen those reports in the last couple of weeks of how many Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Um, that, um, I mean, I, I think the the story that was your like the uh, is if you have ten dollars in your pocket and no debt, you have more like you're worth more than more, the majority of Americans um, because how in debt we are, how we live off our credit cards and everything else. And so, uh, why you might be you know a middle class worker or a professional making good money and a good salary when that kind of gets unplugged you don't really have a lot of other options. Um, and so this is really a, a tragedy for a lot of people that are just trying to serve their country for the most part. Well, and they may be racking up credit card debt and things like that in the process, right? And so another element of government shutdowns, besides the immediate effect, there's long-term costs, not just to the individuals who are not working, but I've seen already, like, it, it could be a billion dollars cost of the shutdown alone, and that'll just continue to go up the longer it goes on. And is that just because it uh, there's costs to sort of starting everything back up and processing the back payments and all of that? Sure. Yeah. Well, and also think about like the parks. You may have to bring on extra people to help clean mm-hmm. them up, or just or things like you know you put you know, the rack kind of costs go up the farther that you know it goes along. So yeah, I mean it's it's there's a lot of problems that stem from these government shutdowns, and that so you hope that that kind of pushes our leaders to to kind of work quicker to find a, a, a solution. It does highlight the political riskiness of this move, though, right, for, for the president and for Congress. Yeah, and just kind of the hard back some things that we're talking about the last segment. Um, I mean, shutdowns are really never a winning scenario for anyone. I, I don't, I've not seen any studies, and then there's been several out there that talk about the cost and the, the risk and all this. But I mean, for the most part, I, I don't think you could point to any shutdown and go, this person, like Clinton or Obama or anybody else, won by shutting down the government. I think it ultimately ends up being a losing scenario for everyone citizens, politicians, um, through this entire system. So um, the question is always like, what was the point of this? Because it, it's it's not really uh, a good strategy for anyone. Certainly well, adds to the sense of chaos, right? For uh, sure. Yeah, well, and like a long-term solution, right? And something that's been brought up for trying to reduce polarization as well is to get rid of the debt ceiling. Um, and then we don't have to have these continued disagreements over over the budget um, every, you know, or, or extend the budget period as well to, so we don't just have these same situations come up all the time. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And um, when we come back, we're going to talk about some of our own resolutions, which may or may not involve (laughs) budgets at the micro (laughs) scale. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Big Tent. Um, we've been talking about the government shutdown, but now we're going to change uh, pace and do something hopefully a little bit more cheery. Um, I hope. <laughs> it uh, depends. F- fingers crossed. Let's uh, hope this doesn't take a depressing turn at somewhere uh, along the way. But um, seeing that this is our, our first show of 2019, perfect time for us to do New Year's resolutions. Um, I was thinking we could talk about a few that we have for the show and then maybe uh, for us individually. Um, but uh, I guess I'll start because this was my idea. <laughs> you know, one thing I want to throw out um, is uh, one thing uh, I like us to, I guess, resolve for, whatever plan for, is try to be uh, a little bit cheerier. I believe I mean, it's uh, to to resolute for. To resolute for, proper, thank you. Proper verb. 
thank you because I have no idea. We resolute. Yes, I don't have a PhD or anything, so I don't know these <laughs> words. Um, so I, I think we should resolute uh, to at least try to uh, be a little cheerier every week. Uh, I say that Jackie is really good about always being like, oh, wait, there's this one optimistic story we should talk about. <laughs> so I feel like we need to do more of that because, unfortunately, like, sometimes we get a we get a little depressing. But oh, that's just that goes of political so news. against my character. That's going to be really tough. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, like, I think we should uh, save some time every week to talk about something that is not negative. All right, <laughs> I, I do all right. think that's it. Like, we often... If Especially, you know, talking about government and politics, we do cover a lot of the issues, the problems, and there are good things that happen that I, I think you're right, Luke, we don't focus on as much. So I think that's a great resolution. No, I like that, too. I guess I, I always get a little worried, though, um, that uh, we won't be giving appropriate attention to the ways in which our country is different right now, really different than it's ever been in history. So I'll do my best, um, but I'm also going to be Debbie Downer when I when, Listen, I when I have to be. Jen, I don't want to take that away from you, <laughs> but I just maybe we should just try to bring in some optimism every once in a while, right, okay, so our okay. our audiences don't go home and cry every Thursday. All right, let's do it. <laughs> I think that's great. All right, what um what about the let's see the two of you are going to learn how to work the boards. Yep, that's a big another. one. Yes. Yeah. So some technological excitement. So bear with us yeah. if there's some rockiness <laughs> in the next few weeks. Yeah. So uh, for the first quarter of 2019, if you hear like gaffes of just dead, dead air, air or whatever, it either means that uh, our other co-host Corey's in the studio or <laughs> me or Jackie are running the board. So you're just going to have to give us uh, the benefit of the doubt for a little. And then we're going to continue to work on bringing in some great guests yes. in the new year. So uh, folks who are connected into politics, policy, arts, culture, bring back some of the folks we've had on and some new ones as well. Yeah, we had some great guests last year, um, but definitely room to continue to expand that, including the types of guests that we bring in. Um, so that's an exciting thing to plan for as well. Yeah, and as a, our audience, if uh, there's anybody that you particularly want to hear from or you have some ideas, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter and give us some ideas and we'll see what we can do. Oh, no I have to go back on Twitter no, for once. No guarantees on that, though, <laughs> sir. I mean, we're not, uh, we're not pulling in governors and stuff here but if you have some suggestions we'll see what we can do what about you personally do you both uh make resolutions new year's resolutions i mean like i guess i usually have like some goals i'm not sure i sit down and have like you know here's what i'm going to do uh, my husband and i uh, both one goal is to be better at using things like reusable grocery bags try to cut down on our our waste a little bit because there's definitely room for us to improve in that way and um i think another one for me personally is to, to get a little bit more fit be a little bit more active athletically work out a little bit more um which just try to be healthier I think in general yeah. you know on your first one it was driving me crazy uh, so we get all these like packages delivered to the house through credit and then there's just be like this huge box and then it's like this one little thing in the bottom oh, of it Amazon and it was just driving me insane like my wife has heard me rant so many times about the wastefulness and I'm just I don't normally like get upset and beat the drum that mad but I was like you're driving me crazy because I have like all these boxes in my house and I was like y'all could have fit all of this in one tiny box and you sent all this stuff and now I have to throw it away and I was just uh there's a couple of days that I got really irritated at Amazon well there, there was a great story that was aired on NPR that was talking about um with that giant real retailer who we are not sending you to i mean i'm sure you could buy locally just as well but if you do use that giant retailer you should click the button that says that you don't need it in next day shipping because that allows them to be more efficient with their shipping not just fast and that's better for the environment so that's a that's a little tip for awesome. for you jackie Good with your know. environmental uh resolution there what about you luke 
Uh, so similar to uh, Jackie, me and my wife uh, decided this year that we joined a gym a couple weeks ago, and so we're gonna we're gonna try to be healthier. Oh my we're, god, you guys just saying you don't have resolutions, but you both want to get fit in the new year. Listen, I'm gonna call this That's like a constant <laughs> goal for me. Though. Yeah, because like, I, I never do it. These are no resolutions. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Jack and the goal. They're not really resolutions. I'm not something I'm keeping track of, but it's more like I'd like we're trying to spend a little bit of time, be a little bit more active, a little less time, me playing on the internet, watching TV, and and. <laughs> Go doing stuff. Um, you know the other. I guess I won't call this a resolution, but it's kind of a big time goal for us is we want to try to buy a house this year. Ooh. Um, we've both lived here for a while. Um, and we decided it's uh, it's time. We're saving our money. We're looking at options, and we're trying to figure it out. So uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, I also know from previous experience because I owned a, a house during grad school that buying a house is uh, one of the worst things that you can ever do. It is terrible as far as filling out all the paperwork, and moving, and everything else. So, oh, in terms of stress. Yes, it yeah. is uh, not fun. Um, so. Yeah, I'm not really looking forward to it, but I suppose it'll be nice once we get a house and moved in. So thinking about your reaction to the boxes, maybe another one would be like, I'm going to stay calm during all this chaos and not let my like blood pressure get too high. Yes, maybe that is a, a good idea. I should probably be calm in situations. So, but I tell my students, like, I save all my energy for like being pleasant and dealing with people for work. And then I get home and then I uh, lose my mind on dumb stuff. <laughs> like the boxes and how they Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. How about you, Jen? Um, well, yeah, I mean, same. I, I have a meta comment, though, before I'll tell you what mine are, which is that it's very interesting to me that there's been like sort of a cultural turn in the last few years where people say exactly what you two said and what I've been saying, which is I don't really do resolutions. Like it's sort of fallen out of favor. And it, I think that's interesting. And I wonder if it's a result of sort of the self-help industry that has grown up. There's been a lot of actually good academic work that has shown that resolutions don't work um, and that we sort of set ourselves up uh, for failure, but that doing what you two talked about, sort of finding ways to um, create new habits, and usually the smaller the better, and the slower the build the better. Um, so I'm sort of wondering if that is permeating the consciousness, and um, so people are not making resolutions. There's also like a little bit of resistance in me to resolutions, <laughs> as a friend of mine said this morning. I'm tired of the patriarchy telling me how I need to improve. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm your token radical here uh, on the big tent. Um, uh, but I, I sort of like that idea that maybe it's not all about just uh, self-improvement. So, uh, But yeah, uh, the, the thing for, be, uh, for me about being an academic is we do sometimes get a week or two off, right, over these holiday breaks. And I was lucky enough to get to take that time off this year. And you sort of like my body slowed down and my mind slowed down in good ways. So I was able to sleep better. I did my meditation in the morning. I'm a big meditator and was able to eat better and spend time with my family. And so there's part of me that just wants to hold on to those feelings and to those habits moving into the new year. But then I opened up my inbox today, sort of preparing to go back to work, and I could feel those good feelings and those good energies sort of leaking out underneath the door of my office. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that, on the uh, the Christmas part and being away. It's just kind of like a detox from everything. for the, And it's kind of nice having those breaks every once in a while as academics in between semesters because when there's not students around and the classes aren't going on, everything just kind of slows down and you just kind of – 
stop drinking coffee by the uh, pot and <laughs> stop responding to emails every 10 minutes and just kind of like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna take the afternoon off and just do something fun. Right? And most Americans do not take their vacation days, right? Mm-hmm. And so if it's five and feel like apologizing for taking that vacation time. Uh, but I do think it's such an important I reset. I did the same thing to, uh, earlier today, talking with a colleague. And I was like, wow, you know, like there was stuff I should have done. But I really just while we were back in Kansas for break, just took the time off. Like, no, you know, actually, that's healthy. Like, it's OK that I did that. Like, I don't have to feel guilty. Well, right. uh, there are several studies that show that when you come back from vacations, you're, he- you're healthier, you're more engaged, like all these things. So there's a lot of benefits for it. And I always just like, I don't want to take vacations and then I end up doing it for a week or two. Like my wife drags me away for some trip and I come back and I'm like, oh, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I, like, I haven't responded to emails all week. Like it, it just makes me feel so much better. Well, listen, that is our advice to you here on the Big Ten is that when you have time off, you take it. Uh, we hope that you will follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Big Tent Radio and that your new year is starting off right. Um, join us again next Thursday here at 4 p.m. at Radio Boise for the Big Tent. Uh, taking us out is Hill Folk Noir. They're playing at Cinder on January 18th, an awesome local band. So enjoy this little bit. <laughs>